All right. Um, well, good morning. By way of confession and profession, this week has been a massive roller coaster, an absolute roller coaster, and uh, I'm thrilled about it. Um, some difficult times mixed with some great times, mixed with some surprising times. So I'm going to, in a minute, I'm going to start you off on Thursday or on Friday to Saturday, and then I'm going to come back to Wednesday. So on Friday, we had our Work is Worship conference. Some of you have attended that, and we just, with other believers around uh, our area, we joined together and learned what it, it means to work as worship, to see your job as worship, and people were just getting piece, bits and pieces of how they need to change. And that was beautiful to see multi-churches together for the gospel. And then yesterday, some of the men got together, and uh, the ladies have been doing a Bible study that Pam Heaston's been leading uh, called Entrusted uh, by Beth Moore. And I'm going to tell you, we had, there was about 25 or more ladies in the house yesterday for the final session. Some of the guys got together and made them breakfast, but I want to tell you what, these ladies, their joy in their heart just did my heart good. Uh, and they're excited. I had one lady today tell me, she's like, I'm just waiting for the next one to come. So taking a couple of hours out of your Saturday to get in Bible study and even get in relationship with one another, it's not just about our heads, right? It's not just about head knowledge. It's about relationship and building stuff together. So that was going on. Um, we, we, you know, we hung the TVs on, on Thursday, I think, and they didn't work right away. The TVs worked, but the connectors didn't work, and it's like there's always something that's going to get thrown into the mix. And so on Friday, or no, we found out Saturday morning, we got the right stuff, and they came up working. So it's just like up, down, up, down, up, down, and then I'll take you to Wednesday. So Wednesday morning, uh, we had this thing where the elders uh, get together, and we've asked some other people to join us, and our intention is to spend time in prayer. This time, uh, we were going to do that, and we did do that, but we invited uh, Tim Leahy, who's back there without a beard. You might not recognize him. Uh, he, he's, he's, he's sort of like a chameleon. I, I just don't know where he's at anymore. Sometimes he looks like a Duck Dynasty dude. Sometimes he looks fi like 5-0. Uh, he's going to be, yes, I just don't know. But he was going to share with us a, an evangelistic tool that, he is, that God has given him that we're looking at just sort of bringing together the discipleship process and the evangelism process in one fell swoop as a church. And that's in process. Pastor Todd's been talking about that. I've been talking about it. It's all in process. It's a work. It is not a program. So uh, my program in mind, my way of thinking was like, okay, we're going to do this. I'm excited. And Tim began, uh, and he got about a couple sentences out of his mouth. And then it was like, you know, and this is after about a half hour of prayer. And I looked up, and I was like, so we're in the covenant room, and I come out of the covenant room, and I go to the front door. These two guys were there. <laughs> and their name's Bombo and Frey, and I'll, I'll, I'll introduce you to them in a minute. But Bombo looked at me and said, I need prayer. I am getting chased by demonic forces. Something like that. Can you pray for me? 
No way, man. We got something going on right now. Um, we're, we're, you know, we're busy <laughs> studying evangelism, and uh, you know, it's not, it's not part of the schedule this morning. You know, can you come back on Thursday at three? Uh, that's not what I said. So it's like I walked him into this room of guys, and we sat down, and he sort of began to tell us the story. And Bombo came from a Muslim background. His father's Muslim. He's just uh, really strong in her family. Was it Belgium? Or your dad? Brussels? In Europe, somewhere in Europe. So they came over, and, and so he's like telling us his story. And he's like, I've been, he's like, the only people that have been giving me hope in my life are Christians. I'm like, thank God it wasn't the opposite way around. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't want to work that through, you know. So it's like, so we, he's like, would you pray for us from release from this pain that he was going through and all this stuff? And like, we were going to do that. But amongst all of us, we were all just beginning to share. And the message was, look, all we have for you is Jesus. That's not all we have, right? And like you can choose to, get, we will pray for you, and that's cool. And you might get some intermittent blessing and freedom, but unless you take and accept Jesus Christ as Lord, we can't promise you anything. And so, you know, and that was a hard moment. You agreed, right? So he, he phones a friend. You know, he's like, wait a second. Wait, I got three options right now. I, I, I think I'm going to phone a friend. So he calls this gal that's in Denver, Colorado, who knows him, who's a Christian. And so he's like, Didn't he? he's like, he puts his, puts his own speakerphone, and he's saying, you know, there's a bunch of these guys around me. We're, ta- we're talking about Jesus. And she's like going, amen, amen. That's great, Bombo. That's great. That's great. And he's like, what should I do? That's what he asked her. And with the most wisdom I've ever heard on the other end of a phone line, she says, what do you want to do? I was like, that's counseling right there. I mean, that was the best, no pressure, what do you want? And so to make a long story short, um, Bombo got baptized, and we're, we went out back. And, and so when we, we, we started going, yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. But that's not all. Before he got baptized, my buddy Frey here went, wait a second. He's like, I'm a believer. I haven't even baptized yet. Like, let's do it. You know? And so, you know, Ty and I are in there with jeans on. I mean, it's just, we were just excited. You know, Donna was running around getting towels and, and all this stuff. We're just, we're trying to make it happen. So Wednesday, cars are going by. We're at church baptizing two fellas and in Jesus' name. And it was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. But the story got a little bit better because there was still some trouble in my brother's spirit. I think the, the weight of the decision as it comes to his family was real. We can't deny that. And so, you know, we, a lot of us, I know, I, I have people calling me and saying, let me get their names again. I want to pray for them. The next morning, they both came in, and Bombo, you, you had a joy on your face the next day. That, that just made us all excited. I mean, we all work dropped, and we were just so thrilled because there was a difference in you. You know, you had rested, and you had found some peace, and you were, you were claiming Jesus. So here they are on their journey. So what I'm going to ask is for both of them to come up. We're going to pray over them uh, and for them. If you 
uh, were part of that group that came up, or if you just want to come up and lay hands, just come on up here, guys. If you just want to join us. Oh, hold on a second. Father, your word says that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. The old has passed away. The new has yet to come. So we pray for these, these brothers in Christ. We pray first for Frey, who was obedient to your call who brought his friend to a church because the mosque was closed on Fridays, Lord, but this church is open seven days a week. So we thank you, Lord, that this man was faithful in hearing your call to bring all those who are weary and heavy laden and who need rest to bring him to your doorstep. We thank you, ask you to bless him for his faithfulness to you. So Father, we give this new man to you, this new creation in Christ. We ask you to cleanse his body, his mind, his spirit in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, we cast out and rebuke all spirits who come against his body, his soul, his thinking. We rebuke these things, all ancestral curses, in the name of Jesus. We release his mind in the name of Jesus to all truth. And may he be a spokesperson, not only here, but wherever his feet of peace may take him in the world, Lord. You have a new creation. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. our service. <laughs> that was a God thing. David Lighty just went, you just can't make this stuff up. <laughs> that was awesome. So um, am I on? I sometimes, yeah, okay. Um, we're in the book of Mark. If you have your Bibles or your YouTube version app or the Oasis Eason app, you can turn there. You should be able to find that. But we are studying what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? And so we're going to be in Mark chapter 1, verse 29 through 30. We're going to start off with that. So it said, and immediately, there's that word again, immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately, get it again, they told him about her. So I want you to get this picture. Jesus was preaching in a synagogue. Last week, we know there was a man that had demon possession that came into the church. Sort of interesting. It's cool. The light dimmed. I was like, <laughs> man, it was possessed by demons or even chased by demons, came into the church, was released from that. Jesus said, be clean. Don't go tell anyone. Be silent to the demons. And then they came out, and immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew 
with James and John. So Andrew and Simon are brothers. Simon is also called Simon Peter. Uh, and also in the New Testament, you'll hear him called Cephas. In Peter means stone in the Greek, while Cephas means stone in Aramaic. So you've got, they immediately left the temple, and then they went into a house. Now, archaeologically, there is, in Capernaum, there is a house that they really believe was Peter's house, the family's house, that has this opening, and inside, actually inside the walls, there was, in the first century, there was like Christian graffiti all over the walls. They were just writing things about the Lord and all that. And the doors opened up so that a crowd could come. And it was like your Acts church, if you would. People came out of the synagogue and then they rolled up into the house. And so Simon Andrew, Simon Peter, Andrew his brother with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever and immediately they told him about her. So just a couple of things about this verse. They didn't stay in the church. Jesus didn't stay in the church. Let that sink in. Jesus is outside, and we are his ambassadors to take him outside the church walls and walk into the walls of our home. Yes, no, are you with me? Jesus left the church, and he went into a house, and he met with People, But even more importantly, I think, that Simon and Andrew and all of them, they knew that his mother-in-law was sick. They told Jesus about it. I'll make that a practical application for you. Take it into your head. If someone is sick or possessed or having problems, we need to tell Jesus about it. We need to vocalize. We can't be hyper-spiritual and go, well, God knows all things. Yes, he does, but we're his ambassadors, and we're also called to mediate with him and bring people to him in faith, trusting that he's going to answer. So they shared in the house that Simon Peter's mother-in-law was sick with a fever, and it was a bad fever, and it was very difficult at the time. Now, uh, I want you to look at one other thing before I go further into it. Notice that Simon Peter, Simon, had a mother-in-law. Why? I'll just tell you why that's pertinent. Simon had a mother-in-law. Simon Peter, Peter on whose rock Christ said he would build this church and the gates of hell would not prevail from it. Simon Peter, who denied Christ three times and then was forgiven and said, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. He had a mother-in-law, therefore he was married. So he prayed. Now, you don't hear a lot about her, but he prayed. Uh, Jesus prayed for her cleansing. We're going to look here, but in 1 Corinthians 9, 5, it says, Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife, as do the other apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? 1 Corinthians 7 and 8. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. This is Paul talking. Paul saw there's nothing wrong with remaining single. Single people out there, not that you want to remain single, but there's nothing wrong with being single. There's nothing wrong with serving Jesus being single. That's all good. But verse 9 says, but if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. 
And all the married people said, amen. All right, so we're going to continue on. Mark chapter 131. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve. This does not mean she began and she was a servant. This means that it's the word in the Greek is like when the angels attended to Jesus in the garden. She was attending Jesus. She was serving the needs of Jesus. So she went from deathbed, feeling sick, massive fever, to immediately being healed and serving. So let's just look at a couple things here. One, they left the synagogue. They brought Jesus into the home. The home became a place of ministry. They brought the sick to Jesus in that his mother-in-law was healed. And then she began to serve. At Oasis, we talk about a journey that we go through. We say we want, if you're new here, we want you to feel welcomed. We want to be audaciously accepting. I don't care what you look like, smell like, whatever, anything like that. Even if you're, you know, like me, you know, we want you to be welcomed and cared for. And then we want you to be able to worship like we did this morning. Worship in spirit and in truth. Just be unhinged. We're not entertaining you guys. We, we are worshiping the most high God. When we're doing it, it's not we're doing it just because. We're doing it because we need it. We need to proclaim God's goodness together. We need to be encouraged one another. We need to recognize, like we sang last week, that we bring our shame to the table, but God dealt with that. It is so good to sing with the saints. So we worship, and then we hopefully, you know, we're going to hear a a biblical message, not just sort of a a feel-good message, but a biblical. If you follow God's way, you're going to have joy. You won't always feel good, but you will have joy if you do it his way. And then you get to the place where we want you to connect. We want you to connect with other people, connect with other saints. You cannot do it alone. And then we want to equip you for the work of the gospel and then to serve. And so this lady, she got it right away. She didn't need to be trained up. She didn't need to do anything. She just took it right there and it's like, I am going to serve. Jesus healed me, therefore I serve. Christians this morning, if you have been waiting for a massive God email to tell you that you need to serve, wait no more. If a lady can come from a fever and jump right up and begin serving, I think we can do that as well. And there's probably not anyone in this room with too many more excuses than Miss Donna here and uh, up in the front, and she serves Jesus. She prays for the saints of this church. She writes words of encouragement often. This lady takes up her cross, and she follows, and she serves Jesus Christ. So the lady that was healed did that. Miss Donna, we just so thank you for the example you are to us. If you don't know this lady, you just need to go and get prayed for by her. Just need to sit by it right up next to her. She can't stand very good. She can't walk very good, but that lady can pray better than all of us. So just, just not that she's the, necessarily the best whatever in the room, but I am thankful for you. So then she was healed. Mark one thirty two. That evening at sundown, so it was Sabbath, 
You remember Jesus went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, which was a Saturday, from Friday night at sundown until Saturday night at sundown. It's a Sabbath. The, the Jewish people were not allowed to do work. They were not allowed to do healing. That's why everyone was tripping out that Jesus took that person who was full of demons and, and did that. But then they, they came over, and at sundown, everyone is sort of like the freaks come out at night. You know, it's sort of like, wait a minute, is it dark enough yet? Are the scribes and Pharisees looking? We know what house Jesus is in, and so we're going to come up there, and we're going to go and press into Jesus. And here's the thing I want to tell you, folks. Jesus knows if he is welcome in your house. You might go, well, wait a minute, my house doesn't look so good. Maybe I don't have all the ornate things, or maybe it's too pretty, and I don't want people messing it up. But if you want to grow in the gospel of Jesus Christ, like Peter and his, and his, step, or his uh, mother-in-law, you need to make your house available for Jesus. And when your house is available for Jesus, people somehow are going to come as they know that and God's Spirit leads them in there. And so these people came out, and they brought to him all who were sick and oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. So there was a crew out there. Doesn't mean it's a little bit of hyperbole. It doesn't mean every single person in Capernaum was there. But it means that a good bit of everyone was there, and they were bringing people who had needs to the door. So they were bringing them to Jesus. What can we transact from that? We need to bring people to who? Jesus. Sort of like that silver and gold have I none, but just as I, what I have give I, I thee, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. It is in Jesus' name that stuff happens, and it is Jesus who does the releasing and the forgiving. It is him who does the work, not our work. I, we need to make sure we know that. It's by, you know, it's for grace we save. God saves you through faith. It is the gift of God, not of works. And works doesn't continue to save you, but works is a thanksgiving for what Jesus has done. So if you're a Christian, you want to be in the synagogue, if you would, the church. We want Jesus to be here. We want to take him out into our homes. We want the people to know that in the doors of our homes, it can be wide open for Jesus to come in and that we will accept them all. We can be audaciously accepting in our homes. Jesus can make your dwelling the center of mercy for the whole region. A little sun-scattering light in all directions. A spiritual dispensary distributing health to the multitudes around. There is no reason, I'm sorry, this is Spurgeon. There is no reason except in yourself why the Lord should not make your residence in a city a greater blessing to it than the cathedral and all its clergy. There's no reason. We hold back. Again, this is from Charles Spurgeon. Our Lord can make your dwellings the center of mercy for the whole region, a little sun-scattering light in all directions, a spiritual dispensary distributing health to the multitudes around. There is no reason except in yourself why the Lord should not make your residence in a city a greater blessing to it than the cathedral and all its clergy. 
So if you want to ask why the American church in some areas is dying, it's because God's people aren't being obedient to what God said. It's just simple. And coming to church is no guarantee of your salvation. You can be here. You know, some people, it's a little cliche, and I sort of don't like it. It's sort of like uh, just because a, uh, some, you're in the garage doesn't make you a car. I mean, it's, being a Christian is not about attendance. It's about transformation. It's about death to life. It's about blind to see. And that's what we're about here. Mark 1, And the whole city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many who were sick in various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Now here's the bit. We talked about it last week. Jesus was your counter, um, counter-terrorist, if you would. He was the counterinsurgent. He wasn't coming out there saying, hey, I'm Jesus. Let the demons say my name. So when we go out, we don't have to be big about who we are. We just do Jesus' work. But he told the demons to be silent because he had a mission, and his mission was not to bring his name in the spotlights, but that happened as he taught. So he would not permit them to speak, but he cast them out. So in light of our homes and our workplaces and our, our social settings and our schools, if you're in school, if you're homeschool, whatever, in light of all these things, I want you to watch this short clip here in a minute. And the, the, the context is a lady, a first-year teacher, was wanting to be a blessing to those who are in need. So let's check this out. Ms. G, can I read something from my diary? That'd be great. What was he? Man, he's been with us since freshman year, fool. What's his name? I don't know. The summer was the worst summer in my short 14 years of life. It all started with a phone call. My mother was crying and begging, asking for more time. I said she were gasping for her last breath of air. She helped me as tight as she could and cried. Her tears hit my shirt like bullets and told me we were being evicted. She kept apologizing to me. I thought I have no home. I should have asked for something less expensive at Christmas. On the morning of the eviction, a hard knock on the door woke me up. The sheriff was there to do his job. I looked up by the sky, waiting for something to happen. My mother has no family to lean on, no money coming in. Why bother coming to school or getting good grades if I'm homeless? The bus stops in front of the school. I feel like throwing up. I'm wearing clothes from last year, some old shoes and all new haircut. I kept thinking I'd get laughed at. Instead, I'm greeted by a couple of friends who were in my English class last year. And it hits me, Mrs. Gerwell, my crazy English teacher from last year, is the only person that made me think of hope. Talking with friends about last year's English and our trips, I began to feel better. I received my schedule, and the first teacher is Mrs. Gerwell in room 203. I walk into the room and feel as though all the problems in life are not so important anymore. I am home. 
All right, I was just loud, I think. There we go. But what is your home like and what is your sphere of influence like? Are you bringing Jesus to it? Are you leaving him here on Sunday to pick him up comfortably next week and put on the garbs of worship next week and not live on mission with him? Verse 35. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him and they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. So Jesus was a late night. The sun went down and people were coming. He preached in a synagogue and people were coming. This late healing people, delivering people. And what happens? He gets up early and he didn't tell everyone where he was going and he went out to a desolate place and he prayed. And Simon came and he ran up and it's like, almost like, where were you? Don't you know you're popular now? Your tweets are hitting it. They're, they're top 10 right now. People are coming all over the world. This is a time for your fame to grow. We need to get you out there. We need to make things explode, no? Jesus knew that unless the Father gave him the rest and the peace inside, that he had nothing to give everyone else, and he was the Son of God. Mission Mission will drive us to see that prayer is a necessity. Mission, you know, my brothers, when I spent Wednesday with you, went Thursday morning was, I was at UPS praying for you because I knew that there was an opposition. Now, other people there knew that there was going to be opposition to what happened. It drove me to prayer because God had us on mission, and it was so thrilling but Jesus when, was our example that when he's on mission, he was praying. He got alone and he prayed. Often people are looking for a quick fix from Jesus. A quick roll up to the altar and just pray for me and hope it goes well and lives their lives outside that door like nothing ever happened. And, and don't think Jesus has power because they have not been obedient. I'm jumping ahead of myself. Whew. 38. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. I want you to look at his quote up here. They were so caught up in Jesus' power, they didn't want to hear his word. The people wanted deliverance. They wanted demons to be removed, but they didn't want to obey the word. They didn't really care what the Bible said. They didn't really want to do that. It's like, I want my marriage to be better. I want my kids to be better. I want this new job. I want this, this, this. Jesus, will you help me? And maybe he does, and then we just go, well, thank you very much. Check you next year at the Easter service. That was helpful. Are you caught up maybe this morning in seeking Jesus' power but not listening to his word? It works the other way around, folks. 
I know of many people, and I've been that person once that wanted to know the Bible, wanted to study the Bible, wanted to be theologically correct, precise. No, no, no. What I know these doctrines, that I know this stuff, I'm able to articulate the argument to people, I'm able to do this stuff, that you forget about the power. You get so caught up on the words, and the words are important, that you forget the power. And I want to say that Jesus brought it all together perfectly. The word came forth and the power went out and he went into prayer because he knew he needed more from the Father and rest from the Father and the acceptance from the Father. He had that and peace from the Father so that he could go out to the crowds and preach once more. So you can see why last week's verse might seem like the dichotomy for you. For the kingdom of power does not consist in talk, but in power. So we're going to say, we, we agree with that, but words in themselves without the Holy Spirit's power for them drop to the ground. I hear people quoting all the time, the word goes out and it never comes out void, where there are churches that are dead and their beliefs are not biblical that say an Old Testament and a New Testament saying every Sunday and the churches are dying. Why? Why is that? It can happen here too, but just mind you. Why is that? Disobedience to what? Huh? To God's, we don't put God first or to his what? His word, right? So we take the Bible and we just go, well, that's sort of nice. It's okay. And we don't, and we don't study it and we don't apply it in our lives. We think it's for someone else. It's too hard what he's calling me to. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow him. If this morning, if you're lacking in the word, dig into the word of God. If you're lacking in power, dig into the word of God and ask to be empowered by the spirit. Bring those things together and that's the fullness of Jesus Christ. He was worshiped in spirit and in truth. Power and word intermingled dependent on God in prayer, exalting God in all, he gets all the glory so that God's name would be praised everywhere we are and that we will have similar testimonies to the video and similar testimonies to my buddy here, Bombo, of new life change. And that will require, so let me tell you, we need people who are ready to disciple and care for those who come to Christ. I would say that we're not going to see true fruit until God's people are ready to respond to it in faith and step out of their comfort zone and serve very much like Simon's mother. They would serve mother-in-law, that he would serve immediately and not worry, am I theologically astute enough, but know are you a follower of Jesus Christ and are you willing to sacrifice time, talent, and treasure to see others glorified before God? That's my message this morning. You're going to make your mark like Jesus did? Is your thumbprint going to match like Jesus' thumbprint on this world that you're not going to just 
wonder what he did, but do what he did, you're going to be faithful to that, that's going to take intentionality, folks. And so in a moment, I'm going to ask you guys, as the worship team comes up here, I'm going to ask you to come to the communion table, and we're going to partake of the bread and the cup. It is a communion opportunity for us to, when Jesus sat with his disciples and he was in the upper room, he was lounged around a table. It was a massive feast. It wasn't a little, little wafer, and it wasn't a little thing of grape juice. It was a big uh, goblet, if you would, of wine and a fresh bread that was good and tasted awesome. And he just took the loaf, and he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which was broken for you. If you're in Christ this morning, that, that bread was broken for you. If you've not trusted in him, that bread was broken for you if you place your trust in him. And he said, this is my blood which was spilt. Take and drink it in remembrance of me. So when you come this morning, if you're a Christian, take boldly. Remember what he did. Remember that he's resurrected. Remember that he's given us a mission here on earth and that we need one another to do it and give him the glory. Would you stand please as we pray together? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you for your love. We ask this morning, Lord, that you would be glorified in all we do. In Jesus' name, amen.